Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, we're back with Rue, um, and she and I are going to talk about our self-care this week. Rue, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. So it's actually been two weeks since we chatted. Yes. How is your self-care going for the past two weeks? Well, um, so I went to a gym, um, and I to my favorite gym that I haven't been to since before the pandemic. I jokingly refer to it as the She Woman Hand Man Haters Club because it's an all women's weightlifting gym. <laughs> and it's really fun to call it that. And I honestly I love all women's gyms because you can wear spandex and do squats and not have to worry. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's just it just feels like such a safe space. So I have been really risk averse. You know, I still I, I I love to all eat outdoors if it's raining if I have an umbrella like I, I would much rather do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what the gym ended up doing is they made it really it, it's a little bit like it's, I don't do CrossFit but it's like CrossFit adjacent you know mm-hmm. like you got kettlebells and weights but they have an entire wall now that, like with garage doors it's completely open. Oh that's so nice. it's yeah so it's just it's like being outside except mm-hmm. you're not getting rained on and they have really. Like everyone that goes there is vaccinated and then you wear a mask when you're not in your station and you have your own like 12 foot square block. Yeah. Um, I don't think I did that. Like a 12 by 12 space. Anyway, I, I don't know what I'm saying, but um, I'm measuring this wrong. The point is I I feel safe there mm-hmm. and I feel like it's a, the, the risk is low. And I realized how much – I cannot work out on my own or how lackluster yeah. I have been working out the past year and a half. Because, you know what? I go for a run and I'm like, boop, doop, doop. I don't like this. I can just yep. stop. I'm yep. an adult. Totally. Or There's I'm no gonna... social pressure to do better. You, I feel like you have to suffer alongside other people for it to yeah. really <laughs> to really yeah. Because I can't just, you know, putz around on Twitter or whatever when I'm in the middle of doing this workout. And also, you know, there's this there's this investment, not just of your money, but also of your time because you're driving there. You're going to do the full hour. So you mm-hmm. might as well. So I really liked it. And it was nice being around people and nice being around women. Um, you know, before we used to all kind of lift weights really close together and there are lots of high fives and hugging and there's none of that. Um, but the camaraderie has been really nice. And I didn't realize how much I missed it until I went and I <laughs> felt so good about it. I was like, oh, I want to go back. That was that was really nice. And um, I think I think I've really been missing. I didn't realize how much I'd been missing that until I went. That's awesome. Yeah, I have not worked out in a gym in a really long time. And I am the same way. I for sure burn more calories, push myself harder when I'm in a gym setting, because you don't, for me, it's like, I don't want to look stupid. Also, 
Like, I want to look like I'm keeping up with everyone. Right, right, right. Um, and so I know I know lots of people do the Peloton and they've got like the screen or whatever. So they're like, it's like they're taking a class. Mm-hmm. And I know there's lots of wonderful YouTube videos and there's really great apps. Not nearly as effective for me. In fact, I, I don't think I can really stick with it. I mean, I'll still do them once in a while if it's like a one that can do with dumbbells at, or kettlebells at home. But there is really something about the social pressure and the camaraderie, I think, too, um, that that made it really nice. Anyway, so I bought a 10-class pass, and maybe I'll go once a week. That's what I'm thinking. That's good. Once a week is good. You, you know, start somewhere. That's funny because I was actually researching gyms in my area just yesterday um, because I've been thinking I want to start going back too, but I'm trying to decide between, do I want to go to a gym and do like, you know, the, the cross training, you know, whether you do a little cardio and then you do some weight training, or do I want to take a dance class? Ooh, well, I think you should absolutely take a dance class. I mean, it's not really about, it's about movement, right? And like moving your body and all those good feelings that come along with it. Like, I don't, while I'm not lifting heavy weights every day, I at least will go for a walk or maybe even if I'm feeling ambitious, a light jog. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A dance class sounds fun. What kind of what kind of dance? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I have taken all kinds of dance, so I could probably pop into a advanced beginner class at this point, <laughs> you know, because I'm way out of shape, but I still remember the technique. But I don't know. Maybe I just might do ballet. Could you could you start doing TikTok dances? Um, no, that is the one dance that I am absolutely opposed to. Uh, it's so fun, though. Everyone looks like they're doing air traffic control. I know. I don't understand TikTok dancing. I mean, it's funny because I do follow some dancers on TikTok, but they're like dancers, you know. Right. But I don't get the, like, clapping and making a circle and... It is. It is air traffic control. But it also seems really sweet and harmless, it you know, is. for the most part. So I'm I'm not – it is always really funny, though, to, like, be at a grocery store and hear a song come on and just see a bunch of little kids start, oh like, gosh, shaking their I elbows. Uh, uh, yeah. It's funny um, because my kids don't do TikTok. They're on TikTok, but they don't do dances. They're opposed mm-hmm. to the dancing. They think that that's basic TikTok. In mm-hmm. fact, I think there's even a term for it. And they're like – you know, they're, they're better than that. They're, Got it. They're different. They're not like other girls, <laughs> except that they're doing the same thing. Other. They drink whiskey and actually like it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're indie TikTok, whatever. I, um, the girls are not allowed to, my girls are not allowed to have TikTok, but we still like TikTok, so I curate for them. That's very and then smart. And we'll watch together. And then we will make some, especially if it's some sort of, you know, challenge or some ridiculous um, trend, like a, like a TikTok format that's happening. Uh, and it is it is a fun bonding moment for the four of us. And I will publish it but so we can have it and look at it, but it's private so only I can see it or and only the girls can see it. So, so that's fun. how that's how we TikTok. Um, but they've ended up on – one girl has ended up on soccer TikTok. One girl has – ended up is just just very deep in cottage core TikTok. So it's, you know, there's, there's a little something for everyone. And maybe there's, there are some dance moves for Kristen. (laughs) No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Well, how's your self care going? It's going pretty good. I just, I talked about this in the selfie Facebook community and actually asked for recommendations. I am dealing with some TMJ issues, which are Mm. longstanding. Mm. And then I'm also dealing with IBS issues. So just 
uh, a lot of abdominal pain um, that is unexplained by any, you know, I've had all of the ultrasounds and procedures. So it's, it's IBS, you know, which is ultimately at the end of the day, IBS is crampy bowels, right? right? Like your bowels just being angry and spasming when they feel like it. So I wanted to go on a semi-liquid diet or smoothie Whoa. diet, not liquid, but like smoothie, you know, soft food slash smoothie that would give my jaw a break. This was at the recommendation of my doctor. Right. Um, and that would give my stomach a, a little bit of a rest too. And so I ended up going on um, an eight day, they call it a cleanse, but it was uh-huh. by Owl Nutrition in Venice Beach. So I had to drive up to Venice Beach and then they give you these like milkshakes that are vegan and they have no, um, no triggering foods in them. They don't have any, you know, like they don't have a lot of ingredients and then these bone broths. So I did that for eight days. Um, I feel good. Although I, you know, it felt terrible the first couple of days. Well, did it feel terrible because like your stomach felt terrible or terrible because you were hungry and wanted to choose? I was so hungry, so hungry and weak, you know, I mean, right. definitely a calorie reduction. Um, and you could eat on it as well. It was, it's not like a fast or something. They gave you a list of foods you could eat. It was like peeled sweet potatoes or squash, like things that are what's called low FODMAP, which is like low triggering for IBS things. So anyway, it was great. But as I was coming out of that, I was like, you know, I have to find some, like now I have to find my sustaining diet, right? Right. Because I am trying to do low FODMAP, which again is low, low in foods that trigger IBS, which is a very random list. Um, So anyway, I'm like, okay, I need to figure out how to make smoothies for myself, but I need to do it in a way that is sustainable. And I know how I am and I need things prepped. I need things worked out in advance. So I ended up buying these cups on Amazon that are basically the exact same cups that that you know, the really popular smoothie company that you can like order frozen smoothies from? Oh, like Daily, Daily Harvest. Harvest. Yeah. Yeah. So they're like the same size, pretty much the same type of cup. And I really like Daily Harvest, but their smoothies are seven, eight bucks a pop, which is I've not never, I've never tried, I've never tried their smoothies. But they're great. They're great, but so expensive. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this myself. So I bought those cups off Amazon. And so I have now food prepped smoothies for myself for the next two weeks. And so I just put the ingredients in the cup, put them into my freezer, which it's taking up a ton of space. Um, But then in the morning or at lunch, I go, I grab the smoothie. I throw the whole thing into a blender. I add almond milk and there I have my smoothie. Um, Do you, do you put green stuff in yours? Or is it all like... Here's the smoothies that I'm doing for now. And again, this is very restricted because I'm trying to avoid FODMAPs. In the morning, I am doing almond milk, peanut butter, oatmeal, and banana. Okay, that sounds yummy. Yeah, it's good. In the afternoon, I'm doing pineapple, kale, and coconut milk. And how's that? It's good. It's good. It's fine. I like, I mean, I don't mind green smoothies. I've always liked green smoothies. So, um, yeah. And so that is my, that's my deal. And then, you know, I can have, again, sweet potatoes, potatoes, like, you know, a, a restricted amount of low FODMAP foods. So, kind of boring, but I'm at least f- 
figuring out. And, and, you know, once I go off, you don't go on this FODMAP diet forever. You know, it's kind of like a gut healing thing. But I think once I'm done, I think I'll continue the smoothie thing. And I'm going to try to get my kids on the program too, because Because I feel like if we make them up and then all they have to do is pop it in a blender in the morning, then they'll finally like maybe do smoothies for breakfast instead of whatever garbage they're doing. Right. I, morning breakfast has been difficult for me because they're going, getting out of the house at different times. And yeah. I'm like, wait, did you eat? You're not going to eat until whatever. And you also have practice this afternoon. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that sounds really convenient just to have that ready to go. Do you, do you feel like your TMJ is better? I am sad to say that I really don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in fact, I am starting physical therapy next week also. You know, I think I, I think that's my next step. Um, yeah. Actually, I forget which one you talked about, but you did this mouth guard a while ago. You mm-hmm. talked about it. Mm-hmm. And I think I just need to bite the bullet and try that. Well, um, I'm going be- to admit um, I have the mouth guard. I don't use it um, because I, you know, I have sensory issues as well. Just mm-hmm. delicate flour all around. Yes. <laughs> Good Lord. But um, I find it very difficult to sleep in. And so uh, I will start out with it in my mouth. And about 15 minutes in, when I'm still not sleeping, I'll take it out. Yeah. And I need to figure out how to sleep with it. I, I And it's just, you know, I already have insomnia issues. So it's like anything that's added that's, you know, distracting from my sleep. But I need to go back to it. I really do. Because, yes, I, 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 ha- I went on a, you know, I basically didn't chew anything for eight days. And I still feel my TMJ pain. That's, oh, that is... That is upsetting. I mean, I've, you know, we've talked about this. I've done the injections in the masseter and that did help. But I find that it's not helping for as long now. And part of me thinks, should I just stop? Should I not eat meat ever? Like, I mean, it's not like I I don't chew gum. I don't do, um, I don't do any of that. Mm -hmm. I I don't do anything that's super chewy. I don't even know what that would be. But uh, yeah, it is, it is maddening because I feel like for me, I always have this low grade neck and jaw pain. Yeah. Like just like a constant baseline. I feel like you and I have become those people that just talk about our medical issues. I know. Um, I know. We are old actually, ladies complaining about please, our Please. I need to tell you about this. So my aunt who is in her 70s, she has women come over every week and their rule is you can't talk about you can't talk about medical <laughs> issues. Otherwise, it's someone talking yeah. about her arthritis for like a full hour. So that's yeah. that's like their one rule, no medical issues. It's like when uh, we were younger and we had small kids and the one rule was like, it, it's a it's a, a woman women's night out. We are not talking about our kids. Totally. Uh, but anyway, I am, I am not a smoothie person. However, I am delighted for you. Thank you. Yeah. And then I think I might even try to do it with soup as well, like Ooh. pop soup into the cups, make batch make soup. Um, so um, can you link us to the cups? I'd love to see the cups. Yeah, I will. I will for sure. I'll pop it into the um, Facebook group. Well, what do you have today for two thumbs up? Okay. I have two things. One is um, it's called, so you know, you know how you turned me on to like some of this CBD, trying CBD stuff? Uh-huh. I have found a beverage that is really, really good, but insanely expensive. Like so expensive, it's it's almost insulting. But your first your first order is twenty percent off, so you should just use that. But then never buy it again, maybe. Or if you love it so much that you 
feel like you can spend this kind of money on it, then go for it. But it's called Bimble, B-I-M-B-L-E. And it's basically just like a sparkling juice water thing. But it's got, I guess, like a lot of, it's got like hemp extract or it's the THC free stuff. And I find that it does actually mellow me out pretty nicely. Um, and there's a part of me, which I, I haven't done it, but part of me goes, can kids have this? Because this is pretty great. Um, I think they could. It's So it's, if you go to drinkbimble.com and they've got different flavors. I've tried the cucumber, melon, and lime. I really like the grapefruit, basil, and mint, but I do need to tell you how expensive this is because it's absurd. It's $75 for a 12-pack. Oh. <laughs> it's so expensive. But I feel like everything CBD-related is so expensive. Like CBD cream, CBD lotion, CBD ointment, just all yeah, of it. Yeah, it, it is expensive. I mean, that is definitely true. That, I mean, it's absurd. So you can, you can get your first order for like $60 if you really want to try it out and you're desperate to uh, relax and unclench your jaw. I actually, Kristen, I think that you would like this a lot. I'm sure um, I would. I think you would like this a lot. But yeah, I, it's not, <laughs> I just feel so, I feel absurd. Every time I look at the price, I'm like, I don't, this is absurd. This is, this is such absurd pricing, but I get it. So I guess like. many milligrams are in a serving. Oh, it looks 25, like it's 20. 25. Yeah, which apparently is, they say it's more than you'll find in most mass-marketed CBD beverages. Well, I think that's true, but I think a normal serving size of like a tincture is closer to 100 or 150. But you're putting weird drops on your tongue, right? Or under your tongue? It's gross. It's super gross. Yeah, for me, it's like the... Like, yeah. I will do a gummy vitamin if it's a flavor that I like. Oh, for sure. But if it's a weird flavor, I can't do it. These so, look delicious, though. Yes. I, the cucumber, I, melon, lime, like, you've got me just at the name. It's it's really good. I had to do this. I had to do this, essentially, this work interview kind of thing. And the people I was with, they were, con- they were concerned that I was too tense. <laughs> so <laughs> one of them brought a bimble. He brought a bimble with him. And he's like, I brought this for you so you can calm the F down. And <laughs> I I I hate to say that it worked. I mean, it, it worked very well. And then this has been like, you know what's a good substitute for? If you're the kind of person that needs to have a couple of glasses of wine to unwind. Uh-huh. And it's become and you're concerned it's becoming an issue, I think this is a good option. I think yeah. this is a really good option. That makes sense. And then my other two thumbs up is I swear that Facebook and Instagram only think that I ever want to buy bras and panties forever. <laughs> that is that is every single that is every single ad I've ever I've ever seen. And then they also think that I'm incredibly large chested when I'm very much not. It's always like <laughs> it's always like these come in extended sizes to support your, you know, large bust while you're doing like jumping jacks or whatever. Um so I you know, bras are difficult. I think bras are difficult for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. it's the band and then the cup and then what kind, what's your breast shape and do you need a demi cup or a full whatever. So I've kind of gotten away with just wearing bralettes because I'm small chested. I know a lot of women cannot get away with wearing bralettes and they because they feel like they wouldn't have enough support. So I tried the Instagram ad, of course. Um, the the cup bras. It's the cup. 
with the two U's. And generally speaking, I will not buy something if I hate the name of a product. Me undies, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. Third love. I don't know why it makes me think of a third breast, but it's 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 doing something to my brain. <laughs> this it's the two U's because it's supposed to be breast. I can I can I can work with this, but the important part is that um, I'm I'm particular about bra and panties matching. Um, we've discussed this before, and I found one that fits really well. And now that I know my bra size in this comp- at this company at this brand, I don't think that, like, why bother buying any other bra? I will just buy bras from here because yeah. these are the bras that fit me. Um, and I'd like to let you know that I'm actually not an A cup. Mm. I'm actually a B cup. Okay. Um, tell all my friends in high school. Um, <laughs> but that's, but I, I, I was measuring wrong. I was doing like, mm-hmm. I was doing like 34A. I'm like, this isn't quite right. And they suggested go down a band size and up a cup size. And I did. And that was, that was the ticket. That was the key. So which of these bras do you like at cup? Some of them are very sheer. I don't love a sh- I don't love a super sheer bra. Yeah, I don't think I could do that because I just feel like then if you're wearing a t-shirt, it's just not enough coverage. No, I did the demi. Okay, and that's it. Looks a little sheer, but it's not. Yeah, it's not. Um, and I really like that one. It's great under a t-shirt. Um, I haven't tried. I haven't tried like the balconette or any of those um, because they are see-through. And I like a little bit of I like a little bit of coverage, you know. Yeah. Um, I like so, a little yes. bit of lining as well. Yes. So I like the the demi. I love um, the colors. They have really cute colors. Yes, the colors are so pretty. And I think there's something about like putting on. I think the green is really pretty. I have the mm. brown too, the espresso. And there's something about wearing a matching set yes. before you put your clothes on that feels like you're putting on like a power suit. You're just like, yes. yes. I completely there, agree. Nothing makes me feel like I have my life in control, like <laughs> matching brown underwear. Totally. Um, so those are my two, uh, CBD and bras. How about you? Um, okay, my first one is a TV show that I really enjoyed. We watched oh, it tell me. really fast. The Chair. The I chair. have not seen it. Where, where is it on? Oh, um, oh. I think it's Netflix. I'm going to double check that. Yes, it's Netflix. It's with Sandra Oh, um, and she plays a department a tar- department chair in an English department at a college. Um, so it's very, like, women empowering. But it just – it deals with – it deals with just a lot of current issues, um, sexism, you know, especially in academia, um, mm-hmm. systemic racism. But it's funny, <laughs> I know when I say all that, it doesn't sound funny, but it's really funny. It's just the characters are really likable. Um, and it was actually created by Amanda Peet. Really? I know. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I like Sandra Oh. I think she's good. She's so good in this. Yeah. It's just a really, it's a cute, funny, but deep show, which is everything I like. Like, it's a very smart show. I will. I've been doing a lot of shows where I just turn my brain off and I don't think about the plot or like the deeply ingrained misogyny. You know what I mean? It's like it's like you know how you turn off your brain when you listen to some music because otherwise. Uh, So Uh I usually have been doing that, but I would like to get into something that I can enjoy and that's at least a little bit thinky. So I will try this. 
Um, and then my other one is kind of random, but I just wanted to let our listeners know. So I do an advent calendar every year, which is funny because I didn't grow up doing one. Yeah, um, me either. No, that wasn't a tradition that we did. But then all of a sudden, I don't know, it feels like almost with Instagram and Pinterest, suddenly it was like everyone does advent calendars now. And my kids were expecting to do an advent calendar. So when they were younger, I would do the Lego ones. Like those were super cute, you know, where you get a new Lego every day and you can build stuff. Oh, cute. Yeah. But then as they got older, I was like, okay, I have to figure out something new. So for a while I would do like Trader Joe's has a chocolate one, but it's just kind of nasty chocolate poured into a mold. Yeah. So a couple years ago, I started doing the Sugarfina advent calendar and Sugarfina is, you know, it's a candy company and it's got all these little gourmet candies And they come for a day. There's four candies a day. So I'll have my kids, because it's expensive, I'll have my kids split one. Oh my gosh, these are so cute. They're super cute. Here's the thing. They sell out every year. Oh yeah, you have to pre-order. Yes. So now is the time. This is going up September 29th. Literally, if you're listening to this on the day it goes up, it's your day. Like, go grab it. There's a link. Um... I'm going to link up in our show notes, but yeah, you got to get it end of September because they sell out really fast, but they are the cutest. The candy is really good. It's different every single day. And it just feels like a nice little treat. I do. I buy one for myself too. So I buy three because they're pricey. My two kit, the boys will split one. The girls will split one. And then my boyfriend and I will split one and they are just just a delight. It's like a daily delight of like, what new candy am I going to try? And then we all talk about like, oh, I loved today's or okay, no, the caramel was my favorite. No, the champagne berry was my favorite. They're really good. Did you have, do you have like a tradition around it? Like when do you, no. when do you open it? Is it not like a certain time of day? Okay. No, not. Everybody just kind of opens it when they want. I mean, I think my kids wake up and eat them. <laughs> I will like wait until the end of the day, but I think my kids like during the entire month of December, wake up and eat their candy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is a cute tradition though. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, they're a very, very cute calendar. So there's one that I want to get every year and I miss out on every year and it's um, the wine box ones. What is it called? But it's like, it's basically a test tube of wine in an advent calendar. I'll have to find it. And every year I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy this. Yeah. Hold on. Let me find this. Um, Wine advent calendar. Uh, what is it? Anyway, it's this, and it, it's really, really pretty, too, because I know you can get, like, a whiskey one or a wine box, maybe? Anyway, I, I will find it. Okay, vine you box? have to link that Oh, up. it's Vinebox. It's Vinebox. So if you go um, to getvinebox.com. Okay, you have to link that up. And then I'm also going to link up another really fun one that I have done before. I'm a, I know you're a big tea drinker. I'm a huge tea drinker. Is David's Tea does a tea oh. um, advent calendar, which is also really fun. And it's really cute. Like, it's just designed really well. Ooh, it's actually on sale right now. It's usually $50 and it's on sale for $30. So I will link that one up too for any tea lovers in the house. It's not, it's not out yet, but the the vine box advent calendar is pretty great it's 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 a glass of wine a day and it comes in this pretty little test tube and um i i will remind myself i'm gonna have to set a calendar reminder to like check it out and it's you know 12 nights of wine essentially 
It's funny that we're like, now we're treating advent calendars, like getting the scoop on advent calendars, like <laughs> concert tickets. Like, they're up today. It's up today. You know what? This is what the pandemic has done to us. We, You and I are not buying concert tickets or Broadway tickets or plane tickets. Not really anyway, you know. Well, so, you know what? I calendar. actually, I am. So my kids don't know this, but they don't listen to my podcast, so that's okay. But if you know my kids in real life, you cannot mention this to them. But we are going to New York for Christmas. No. Yes. Oh, and that's so exciting. So I am in the process of buying Broadway tickets and deciding – what shows we're going to see while we're there, which is very nerve wracking when I don't, when I can't get their input. But okay. Two things. One, I was in the city last week, you know, I'm I'm not far from it. And I was there for a few days. 88% of people in Manhattan are vaccinated, 88% of adults. And people are wearing masks and distance. And I think the fact is, it feels like a very safe city to be in because truly, there's just so many people are vaccinated and then all of your kids are vaccinated. So it and seems the really low risk. are taking a lot of precautions. You have to show, you know, that you've been vaccinated to even get into a New York theater. You have to wear a mask. Um, right. So I do. I feel comfortable with that part of it. I more so just want to make sure that I'm getting the right shows. But so yes. one, one thing I've been doing just to get them excited because my boys are a little bit like eh on Broadway. <laughs> Um, is I do get mailers. I don't know why I get mailers, but like any show that I get a mailer for that I think they would like, I will like leave out and be like, oh, thoughts of a colored man. This looks interesting. Look at the actors in this. Man, if we went to New York, this would be a fun one to see. Would you want to go to, would you want to see this if we were in New York? You know? Amazing. So I just, I keep leaving out flyers and trying to get their attention. Do they bite? Um, yeah, they actually are interested. They did show interest in seeing Thoughts of a Colored Man, and they showed interest in seeing Chicken and Biscuits. Both are predominantly black casted, um, you know, and so they're interested in those. So I think those are two of the tickets that I will be getting. Yeah, um, exciting. W- one thing that I will tell you that I, I haven't – I was actually surprised that I, we don't have a two thumbs up for you from you on this yet, but I – you have to whip out your vaccination card basically everywhere in the city before you go into a restaurant, you, yeah. you know, coffee shops. I need a wallet that can fit a vaccination card. I love how other countries made their vaccination card essentially the size of a credit card. And I've got this piece of paper kind of floating around in my handbag. I know you can get the little plastic sleeves, but I want a wallet. And so I thought maybe you would have a wallet recommendation, but you don't have one yet. I don't have one yet because I have been using the QR code. California has a QR code. So we can show a QR code on our phone that people can scan. Is that not the case in New York? No, no. Oh, no, no. so you have to you show, have to show actual paper. Yikes. And uh, at least, be a copy uh, yeah. or do you have to have the real deal? I think some people maybe show it on their phones, but sometimes, sometimes, um, they, you, I've been told we need to see the actual paper in person. I think part of it is because people are just oh, right. forging or whatever. It. Right. Um, that, that because is, they're yeah. not necessarily checking your ID, too. So you could have a picture of anyone's vaccination card. Right. Well, that or someone, some vaccination very, card on the internet. <laughs> I'm definitely nervous to have my children carrying their vaccination card around New York City. One of them's going to get lost on this trip. That's just... <laughs> Yikesy. Yeah. So we just carry around or we have like, they need to, I wish they would just do it nationwide. Just let everybody have a QR code on their phone that people can scan so that they know you're not lying. Yes. We'll get there. Um, hopefully. 
I'm sorry, John just started playing music and I need to tell him to go be quiet. No problem. We'll just end there for that episode. So okay. I'll just. Well, I am here with BJ, our resident therapist. Hey, BJ. Hi, Kristen. Well, this was another question. We get a lot of questions. We'll get like a cluster of questions that are kind of about the same thing. And this is one of them, which is what to do when your parents and you disagree philosophically on big things. We had some questions about what to do with parents who don't agree with your parenting style. We had questions about what to do with parents who've gone down the anti-vax conspiracy rabbit hole. Um, We had people asking what to do with parents that who believe really differently than you on major, major things. So talk to us about how to deal with parents that we philosophically disagree with, how to hold boundaries and how to stay in relationship if we can. I actually just had this conversation with a client this week and it, it her description, her family dynamic is almost exactly like the description in this first question that we received because they're a family that don't talk about feelings and that's not been, and this is her in-laws that she's dealing with. And so it's, it doesn't matter. I will say this, if it's an in-law situation, it's, I think it's really, really important that we talk to our own parents and not expect our spouse to navigate issues with our parents. Totally. It's a big, huge thing that we don't talk about very much. But I had my own experience of this, and I have had other family members within my family who've had this experience. And what I know to be true is if I stand up to my parents when they're acting in a way that's contrary to what my family needs and expects, and especially in regard to my spouse, if they need to have a conversation with your with your parent, then you've got to, you have to be a part of that. You can't, Mm -hmm. now there may be, we may have partners that are like, I'll come at them. I don't care. But if indeed that is keeping you from resolving issues because you don't want the conflict with your parent and your spouse is left to have to deal with their own issue with them, you got to change that dynamic because it's just really important that we be the ones that navigate those relationships that we know how to navigate because otherwise it becomes you and it, 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 it's a splinter between you and your partner. And then it's a splinter within the family and you're not going to get to resolution at all. Having said that, I think it really is crucial if you're the emotionally healthy one to attempt to have the conversation. Even if you have a, I know they can't handle it idea about the whole thing. And you have plenty of experience in the fact that they won't talk about important things do it anyway. It's really important for us as parents for our children's sake, especially if the grandparents have influence with our kids. Um, if you, if you live in the same town and you spend time with them or when they come to visit, they are unfiltered in the way they talk to you, to their kid, to your kids or about you, to your kids. Um, any of those dynamics that are unhealthy and hijack the way you parent your children, it's important that you set those boundaries with your, with your parents. So the best way to do this is rather than come at it with, Hey, we disagree. And this is what I expect of you, which is what our tendency to do is instead to say, Hey, I think it's really important that we have a conversation about the way we parent because I'll be honest, 
it's very different than the way you parented us. And it is, I'm not critical. I don't want to be critical of the way you parented me. I'm fine. Obviously I made it. I'm good. And certainly I think we had our, we butted heads in different ways, but all of that aside, we have decided and, and my partner and I agree on how we want to parent our children. And we really want you to be a part of their lives but there are times because we parent differently that you kind of come into the dynamic in ways that is more like the way you parented me mm-hmm. and less like we parent our kids. And so I want to give you the opportunity to learn about how we parent so that you can just be a, you know, be really fluid in the way you interact with our kids and they can benefit from having the relationship with you because it doesn't feel so different than what they are receiving and experiencing with us. Mm -hmm. And so when you approach it from this really pragmatic and practical way, making no assumptions about your parents' ability to hear that or be in it with you, because we can't control how people respond, but sometimes we just really need to speak our truth. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those times when it's crucial because our children need us to. Yeah. Because here's what happens if you don't. You end up with your children having to navigate conversations with their grandparents in your absence that they don't know what to do with. And they might feel like they can't tell you because they don't want you to know what grandma and grandpa said about you. Or maybe they're like, oh, this sounds fun. And so let's don't tell mom and dad. Or maybe grandpa and grandma are actually saying, but you can't tell your mom and dad. And so it's really important for you to have these conversations on behalf of your children. And it's also important if indeed your parents do parent very differently or believe philosophically differently than you are raising your children to to believe about things. Um, I'll use an example here. I grew up in the South in a very small racist town. We did not integrate my schools, our schools until I was in seventh grade. Wow. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. And my hometown has a world known. It is internationally known for its racism. Wow. We, we had a very controversial sign that hung over the entrance to our city. Um, we lived, I lived in Northeast Texas where the, where the soil is dark, dark, dark gray, and it's called black land. And it was the hub of cotton growing during the civil war because the soil was so perfect for growing cotton. And so we were known worldwide for being the cotton hub and having this black land. And Mm -hmm. like we call in Southern California, we call it the South land. When you hear the news talk about the South land, my area was called the black land. There was a sign to the entrance of our city that said, welcome to Greenville, Texas home of the blackest land and the whitest people. Wow. And to this day, that sign will come up on Facebook and people will argue that they meant good guys versus bad guys, not black skin versus white skin. Sure. I'm calling bullshit on that. Yeah. And, but that was the nature of the town I grew Mm -hmm. up in. Mm -hmm. There is a postcard you can buy on eBay of a lynching that took place on the courthouse square in 1907 in my hometown. Oh my goodness. And that again is, was an internationally reported incident even at that time. And so there was a lot of racism where I grew up very overt and covert. And I grew up in a quote unquote Christian family where we had 
relationships with black people in the town, but we did not have friendships. I don't, I do not recall a black person ever entering my home. I certainly didn't go into the homes of my black classmates. I had friends at school that were black. Um, and in high school, I ended up having really close friendships with black people, mm-hmm. but I was in sixth grade before I ever sat in a classroom with one. Right. When they started busing. And then in seventh grade, we integrated. And then it was violent for many years because it was a really difficult time of civil unrest. And so you can't imagine how common the N-word was. You can't imagine Mm -hmm. how normal racism was among everyone. It was just talked about like the weather. Wow. You didn't see it as what it is. And that was very much ingrained in my parents and in us. And um, my great-grandparents owned slaves. Um, I had an uncle who very briefly joined the Klan, not realizing wow. what he was getting himself into. Um, I mean, it was bad. Mm-hmm. So my parents, my our, our dads and our brothers and uncles, mostly the men and some of the women in our families used the N-word wow. all the time. And when we came to California, we were here for about six years before my mom was terminally diagnosed, terminally ill. We moved back to Texas to be with her at the end of her life. And, and in the early part of, of grief after she was gone, we were only there for about 11 months. But when we pulled into town, we went straight to my mother's home and we weren't there five minutes before my dad used the N word. And my kids were in fourth and sixth grades. At the oh time. my goodness. And we got back in the truck to go over to my in-laws where we were going to be staying. And as soon as we got in the, in the, the rental truck, the, we were moving our possessions in. I turned around and looked at my kids and I said, you just heard your grandfather use a term that will be considered profanity in our home. Mm-hmm. And you're going to hear it throughout our family and it will never be acceptable for you. And I will tell you that my kids became anti-racists and it made, they made it their mission to educate their family members. And I will tell you, a week did not pass before that word never got spoken in front of our family again mm. because my kids would call it out. Wow. I say all that to say we have to teach our children these things. And when our parents and our family members have differing views about something like this, we need to advocate for them until they're able to do what my kids do did because they were much younger when – I heard we were our my our in-laws came to visit and my father-in-law was watching a baseball game with my son and a black player stole a base and he said that's just like a n-word to steal something hmm. and my husband went off on him but my son doesn't even remember it because he was so young and so they had been around it but it wasn't until we moved there that we realized we've got to address this differently now than right. we have before and so we did we prepared them, but I, it made me look back and think, how much did they hear of that? And we didn't address it at the time because we were afraid to, or we didn't want mm-hmm. the conflict or we didn't live near them. So we dismissed it. Or we, what stories did we tell ourselves that made us brush that under the rug when our kids were little? And what I've brought from that is that I had to teach my kids and I had to prepare my kids to be in the presence of family members who believed differently than we did about things. Right. And I also needed my, my kids needed to see me 
address that with their grandparents. And they did. And that's what we need to do in these dynamics. We're not going to change their minds. We might. I will tell you my mother-in-law, my son, changed my mother-in-law's mind. Hmm. 180 degrees in her lifetime. But in most cases, we're not going to change their minds. It can't be about changing their minds. It has to be about, I want you to be a part of your grandchildren's lives. And I need you to understand that there are certain things that I'm not going to be okay with hearing you talk about in their presence or in mine. And that's the boundary I'm setting for myself because I can only set boundaries for me, not for other people. And so I'm telling them, this is our expectation. Have that conversation. If it ends the relationship, it ends the relationship, Mm -hmm. not because you did anything wrong, actually because you did what was right Mm -hmm. and they couldn't show up for that. And that's going to happen. And then you deal with where that goes from there. But I do think it's just, I think it has to start with the conversation. I think we have to be willing to have these hard conversations about certain topics because you need the freedom to raise your children, even if it's just the way you parent. Um, One of the pieces of advice I gave this client is she has a very gentle parenting approach. And her parents were very, or her in-laws were very authoritarian in the way they approached parenting and very rigid. And as a result, she just doesn't let them keep her child. Yeah. But she wants to be able to have their support and she needs it because her son has medical issues and she's doing it all mostly on her own. And so she ended up sending them, they're very much on social media. So she ended up sending them several accounts of gentle parenting accounts on Instagram. Mm. And then they had a conversation about it and they, and her in-laws were like, this doesn't make much sense to us. Um, and, and the, the dad was kind of like, ah, this just makes kids soft, you know, that kind of thing. But the mom was more (laughs) like, you know, we, we want to help you guys. We want to be, and we want to spend time with our grandson. And so, I don't, it's going to be hard, but I'll do my best. And that was kind of the best she got in the moment, but that's something to work with. And the hardest part was having the conversation. And what she ended up having to do is because her husband's so avoidant in those things was building up the courage to have it with them and asked him if he would sit with her. They did it over dinner and asked him to just be certain that he either stayed completely silent and not, but not let his silence imply he didn't agree or overtly agree. And he was able to do a little bit of both. And she said, we've got a long way to go, but it feels so much better after having addressed it. And it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So I think you just have to start there. You've got to find a way to find that common ground and you may not find it and it may change things, but your kids deserve you making that step. Because at the end of the day, you're responsible for those kids and you're responsible for teaching them your values and trusting that they will develop their own and go from there. And we have to focus forward. We can't focus behind us when it comes to these things. This is the same thing as when we're addressing trauma. We have, we don't have to vilify our parents to acknowledge that the way they parented harmed us. Mm. I can change, make those changes without even needing to put it onto them because I realize it's my responsibility and they can't fix it anymore anyway. 
only I can. And so if we take that same principle and apply it to these conversations, we're responsible for ourselves and our children and our relationship with our children. And we can't turn backwards and fix the broken relationship between us and our parents unless they're willing. And we can't force them to see things our way, but we can offer it to them. We can give them that option. And then if we need to set boundaries because they're just not able to, then we know what those boundaries will look like. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfie podcast and in the selfie podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care.